Agitudable opens the door to a new world of people transforming lives and the way we do business. Would you like to thrive in today's communications? Welcome to our podcast. My guest today is Gabriele Spurling. Gabby works at BMO YNR as a technology director, where she focuses on architecting client projects and building teams of technical professionals to implement them. She enjoys all elements of web development, from designing delightful user experiences to using services to solve business problems. The common thread across all her work has been creative problem solving and learning from incredible teams. Welcome to our podcast, Gabby. It's a pleasure speaking to you today. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks to you. Would you like to add something for your introduction? Yeah, so I've been in software development for uh, eight years now. Um, and it's interesting because although I'm maybe not always the most technical person on my team, uh, what's been a really tremendous benefit to me has been the way that I organize teams and projects to be really successful alongside my very technical peers. Uh, so it's been a really interesting way for me to stick out in a industry that needs tremendous amount of process, uh, but doesn't always prioritize that as closely as we do our specific output. Awesome, great. Yes, and we have, we have always um, listen to you because you always make a lot of um, importance on improving how we work you know or how we do our work as uh, sometimes we tend to forget perhaps and not it as it is the same as important as it is to what we are working on yes how would you describe the how to or the way we do our work so I always think of, uh, I talk about this a lot in relationship to Marie Kondo, who is a tremendous influence. Uh, Marie Kondo at the age of 18 started a consultancy around just organizing your home. And uh, now it's, if you've seen Netflix or read one of her books, a national success. The Marie method is uh, has enough clout that even if you haven't heard of it right now, you could Google it and find hundreds of resources, not even from Marie Kondo about it. But what we learned from her organizing of your home is that when you organize the processes that surround your work, you free up space, whether that's mental space, emotional space, sometimes even physical space or time. You free up energy to put more quality into your output. And so one of the things that I find to be tremendously important is figuring out how do I remove obstacles from my team so that they can be spending their time doing the things that they really, really love. Uh, often, you know, we get into a career because we're really passionate about a specific thing or solving specific kinds of problems. But inevitably, the better that you do in the career, you start picking up extra responsibilities. And in technology, we see this a lot as a someone really, really great at writing software ends up getting picked up to lead teams without necessarily 
desire to uh, lead meetings uh, and engage in personal development, or sometimes it looks like a uh, someone very process oriented getting pulled into technical discussions. So my one of the things I try to do as a lead uh, over my teams is figure out where are these small kind of obstacles starting to come in that are causing problems for my team. Uh, the base every working professional can relate to the pain of the meeting that wastes everyone's time, uh, as well as kind of more dev specific processes around either overly rigid things that take so much time and everyone hates doing or uh, things that are completely abstract and difficult <laughs> to work with because nobody knows how to do it and everybody does it differently. And then you lose consistency, you lose certainty, and it also becomes a drag on people's lives. So by being able to provide that structure, that certainty, I find my teams are significantly more productive and then more importantly, they're happier with the work they're doing. Uh, which is the most important part of my job in my mind. Great. Yes, I also love Marie Kondo and all mm -hmm. her art, let's say. And I love the way you connect, like having the tidiness at, at home, like it's like a small way of, let's say, starting, and then uh, trying to replicate that in your own work or in your jobs. Thank you. I literally uh, just cleaned out my closet this weekend, <laughs> which I think everybody knows that like one crap closet you might have where it's just accumulated a lot of stuff. And although I wasn't physically lifting that stuff every day, uh, it's the closet where we keep some of our important paperwork. And because I hated going through it, our paperwork would end up all over the house because we were putting off the need to file it into an important place. Um, and so that's kind of one of those examples uh, that's a little bit off of specific team processes, but by solving kind of what causes you frustration, I've made all parts of my home life a lot better. <laughs> awesome, yes. And as you say, when you eliminate or declutter, let's say the things that are not um, good for you, uh, life changes. Radical. Significantly, yeah. Uh, in Marie Kondo's case, I love tying back to it because there's just so much there that it's hard to argue against. Her clients rarely have any kind of backslide. They also all report significant improvements in all these other dimensions of their lives. Uh, her show illustrates really incredible examples of people working through marital problems. Uh, there's people that pursue lifelong goals of writing books or running marathons. And it's funny because you probably never think, oh, I really want to run a marathon someday. I should start by cleaning my house. Yeah. But uh, of the environment around us, whether that's all of the processes that you have to touch in your day-to-day -day work life, or if it's the physical space that surrounds you, they have such an impact that we aren't aware of most of the time. Yes, but I think it's pretty more like difficult to put it into practice in daily in our daily activities and even more with teams because everyone is different. Yeah. How do you manage that? Are there 
are you talking about big teams or like small teams? What's the most convenient way? Interesting. So uh, I'll start by kind of speaking to like my personal processes. Mm -hmm. I'm a funny sort of person that really, really loves structure. And I really kind of like having things organized, which is probably evident from the way I speak. But I also despise rigidity. Um, I find myself kind of recreating processes for myself every six months or so, because the process that works really good for me today is not necessarily the process that works really well for me six months or a year from now, because everything else in my life has changed. Uh, so my processes need to evolve with that. Whether you're working with a small team of three or four or a larger organization of like hundreds, uh, the things that processes do provide for us is more certainty. Uh, we find anywhere where we leave things to be organic is a word I hear sometimes businesses use to avoid uh, putting certainty. Um, yeah. We create ambiguity, which can create undue stress for the rest of the organization. Um, at the same time, there is no single solution. I could come in and talk about all the different things I've done to organize my life, work on my self-improvement goals, but uh, no single solution would work for every single person because everyone's circumstances are different. Mm -hmm. And the same applies to larger teams, right? Um, teams are just groups of people. So if one process doesn't necessarily work for me every single second of my life, I can only imagine how many dynamics you're really trying to balance when you have a larger organization uh, mm -hmm. that you're trying to make these processes for. So when I do join a team uh, that I think could use some improvement in how they function or organize, really the most important thing to do first is listen. Um, some people come in gung-ho because they've seen a strategy work really, really well at another organization, which is great, and it still might work at this one, but to come in and try to declare a strategy before you've listened and gotten to know the dynamics that you're working with uh, is kind of foolhardy and detracts from your credibility and the credibility of what you're trying to implement. Um, so the first important step is you have to listen. Uh, in self-development, that's taking some time to kind of catalog yourself, your strengths, your weaknesses. Um, when you're working with teams, that's getting to know the organizations around you, uh, the key players that would need to be involved. Uh, the second piece is getting buy-in. Uh, similarly to if you first day come in and try to change an entire organization, uh, that's going to be wildly unsuccessful. Um, it's also going to be wildly unsuccessful if nobody around you is bought into the idea. Mm -hmm. So taking the time to listen and understand people's needs hopefully makes it super easy to get buy-in to processes that will make their lives significantly easier. Uh, then after you get the buy-in, hopefully the next step would be starting to implement small pieces of your vision to organize a team. Mm -hmm. And with that, leaving room to iterate on them and change things as you learn more about what works and what doesn't with an organization. Great. So it, it really, it's like a new word 
every team that you begin working with and a new challenge <laughs> to face how that is adapted and how it evolves as well. Yeah, I, that's why uh, across uh, both my team kind of meetings as well as my individual meetings with direct reports of mine, every three months or so, we start asking what's working well, what's not working well. We kind of start from the assumption that we can always be improving. Um, but the thing that matters most is figuring out where we're going to get the most, the largest result uh, by focusing our efforts. Um, right. It really leans into playing to your strengths um, because I have people that will work really, really hard on trying to do this one thing because they're told it's really important, whether that's writing blogs, speaking, things like that. Um, but if it is something that people dislike, you're actually pushing people into these bad processes that probably actually aren't helping them. Um, just because it works for one person, as we know, doesn't mean it's going to work with other people. Um, and when in doubt, the big thing that I talk about with my teams, the big thing I talk about with individuals is that good process will encourage good behavior. And so by taking the time to reflect on these things and reflect what has made it easier for me to be successful, what has made it harder for me to be successful, you're able to start trying to figure out the lines between processes that enhance your life versus processes that you thread and bring a lot more frustration to the day-to-day. Ah, awesome. So that is like, a, you can figure that out. I mean, you can see perhaps how that evolves and if that person or that individual is not feeling at ease or things are not flowing, let's say, the way they should. So you can change or adapt that uh, part of the, the work that he, that person was doing. Yeah, I think the biggest perspective I've brought to my teams is that a process is not a static thing. It's not something you introduce once and you're done. Uh, the more important a process is, the more a living document, so to speak, it should be. Um, because we, the same way we as people can always be improving, it's very likely our processes can also always be improving. So taking those small steps and improve slightly every single time you meet means you don't have to have the answer the first time you start making changes. The important thing is to kind of track the trends. And as long as you continue improving a little bit at a time, you're going to get significantly further than if you try to find this magic solution that's going to fix everything instantly. <laughs> yes. And you talk about also the importance of measuring your progress. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so mm -hmm. tell us about it. How, what's the, the recommended or the suggested um, period of time that you would like to be like renewing or seeing how it works? So I think it depends on the stage that you're in. Uh, when you are implementing really, really new work, um, I would say roughly two to four weeks is when you start kind of assessing what's going well, what's not going well, what are the unintended consequences that we didn't realize this was going to result in. That one month 
to two week period gives you enough time to let the process kind of sink in and start seeing some results, uh, but it's also enough time to give you to start kind of tweaking things before it becomes kind of cemented. Um, but measuring is so tremendous. I find it's one of the things we forget about because while it's great to have these goals, and we think about this a lot with our individual improvement that we want to get to here uh, when we have a clear vision, but when we're trying to organize a team, we don't always measure if we're actually accomplishing the thing this process is supposed to accomplish. If it's not working, we default to, oh, well, people just aren't doing what they're supposed to do. When uh, really, if, it, you, if your process is making it harder for people to help you accomplish your goal, it's very possible the process itself is flawed in some way. And we've made it significantly more of a drag on these people to help you. I tend to find people love helping other people. <laughs> it's usually as uh, people like to be useful, they like to do a good job, uh, but they don't like doing things that are frustrating or wasting their time. Uh, that's partially where the listening and discussing and gaining buy-in is. I found it's amazing uh, to see the difference in reaction you can get to a process, even one that is really annoying if people see where it benefits them. Uh, one really funny example is I, in a software development team, I introduced time tracking. And when uh, we had time tracking for a group of people that never had to track their time before, mm -hmm. uh, they didn't really see any benefit to it because we were using it to figure out kind of larger picture who was using our services. Uh, these people felt it was micromanaging them. They felt that where am I going to put time for checking my email? I don't have a ticket for that. And there was so much frustration, so much uh, when you work with contractors who build their, they track their time so that they can get paid. They really don't mind that quite as much because they see the output very directly. I will get paid if my time is logged. Uh, and so it's interesting that even if you have the same personalities, if you can help people tie how this benefits them to what you need them to do, what you need them to do, you'll see a tremendous improvement in getting the data that you want, if it, that's the goal of the process, um, or getting the desired output. But there's really no way, if you think about it, to know if you've accomplished the goal of your process, and hopefully you have a goal that should be Otherwise, we're just wasting everyone's time. <laughs> First item, goal in sight. Yeah, uh, but if we don't measure, like, there's no way that we can actually hold ourselves accountable to meeting these goals that we've set. Great, exactly. And how? What a challenge for for the leader or the the director in charge, the person in charge, to put all that into practice. And take into account, as you say, uh, everything has, everyone has to be happy or do what they, they like because they will, everything will flow that way. So what a challenge for you every day. <laughs> uh, I, yes, and uh, it's probably one of my favorite pieces. Uh, <laughs> work probably would be, at least for me, I know this isn't true for everyone, but I would be tremendously bored if I didn't have challenges in the office. Mm -hmm. uh, and 
while often I kind of assume I have missed something and that there is certainly always somewhere I can be improving, the moments where you get it right and where all the factors align are just so tremendously satisfying because you know it's rare, you know it's not happening constantly, but being able to match uh, what somebody wants to do with what the organization needs, with what they're really good at, like that is a amazing situation and that's something I celebrate. <laughs> I imagine, complete success. And now with all these crazy times and all what the world is like uh, facing, how do you manage time and all that different processes that you are perhaps more accustomed to do it um, in the office? It's definitely different, <laughs> which I think is probably the least surprising thing I could say. Um, I would say the biggest thing that kind of has come out of this current situation of COVID-19 is focusing on priorities. Uh, I know for a fact I can't do things the way I used to. Um, in some ways, I feel like I have even less time in a day, which seems bizarre, but I know there's a lot of people that share that sentiment when you're kind of stuck in the same place, when your meetings require you to physically be still for sometimes four hours or more. Mm -hmm. um, but I, uh, I entertain kind of this practice myself once a year at least where I go through what are the most important things for me to be working on now because I've got a big appetite to take on lots of challenges, as I've said, but I know I can't do all of them. So if I'm addressing the highest priorities, then I know that at the very least, I've done what I've said is important to me uh, in my work, uh, because I've mentioned this a lot, that's my team and keeping my team afloat. Uh, they all know my first priority is to keep them employed. <laughs> which we've discussed is generally most people's preference at a job, uh, then I work on trying to keep them happy. So even when I can't do all of those things, I discuss with them, you know, my goals and they usually are pretty aligned to, yes, that is also the way I would like things prioritized. Um, right. uh, so by prioritizing, uh, even in this COVID time, when I feel like time is short, Uh, the one thing that I have kind of committed to my team to make sure I'm doing is always we do weekly one-on-ones where I just hear about what they're working on, what's frustrating, what's a success. Uh, I do 30 minutes with each person on my team every week for that. Mm -hmm. um, the team's seven people now, so it's a little bit of time, but it, it pays tremendous dividends. Uh, I can see near immediate results uh, when I do that for four weeks in a row compared to when I try to balance other things and I only really see them once or twice a month. Um, but that recurring time, that investment that I've decided is the biggest priority for me um, mm -hmm. is uh, that's kind of where I've seen if I prioritize these processes of mine, I'm going to get the greatest dividends for my team success. Um, and while these other things are also important, I can only do so much in a 24-hour day. I imagine. So that's your personal touch in, in everything. That's the, the big difference that you make. And the success. I, think so. mm -hmm. 
I like to think so. Uh, similarly, even in my personal life, the priority is my family um, mm -hmm. and my loved ones. And so I have lots of goals for myself, for my career. Uh, and while I can't do all of those things, uh, knowing that I've done the highest priority items, uh, whether that's keeping intent family or I'm also getting a master's degree right now. So shortly after that is getting completing all of my obligations there. Um, and that's kind of, I know I've covered my bases in terms of what I've deemed the most important for this time. Awesome. Well, congratulations, Gabby. And thanks for, for sharing with us, sharing all your processes, your vision, how you implement all that and the very useful tips that you gave us as regards um, priority, priorities, measurement, and the good teamwork. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. Thank you. If you enjoyed this conversation, please rate and share a review. Remember to subscribe and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Communicate and be attitudable.